Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Welcome back to the 19th Tea Podcast, Kieran Marsh. Nathan Drudy with you for another week. A little bit to get through again. Drudster, it was Montabuena and Mike Goba for Victor <laughs> Hovland. Our friend, the battery, Christian Bezudenhout, has had another win on the European Tour. Uh, and sadly, uh, the voice of golf, or one of um, the legendary voices of golf, has gone up to the big 18 in the sky. So plenty to get through this week, mate. Uh, a pleasure to have your company as always. Yes, very excited to be here for a, uh, another week, edging closer to the 100, just chipping away at the singles. Yeah, we, we get a little nervy at this stage of the 90s. <laughs> In between 95 and 100, I think, is particularly nervy. Yes. So we've got a, got a little bit to do to etch out. The field's closing in. Uh, we're obviously just before maybe the, the lunch interval in terms of our podcasting journey and, and the field is closing in trying to make sure we have to wait it out over that nervous 40-minute break in the middle of the day. Yes. We shall persevere. Obviously, the, the metaphor being uh, Christmas and the New Year period slowly uh, and or fastly approaching. Will we get there? Not too Correct. sure at this point in time. No. Before we get on to this week's topic, Strudster, uh, we must crack an ale as we do each and every week. Thanks to the great team at Gage Roads Brewing Company, WA's premier independent brewery for more than 15 years and, of course, the official beer of the 19th Day podcast. Gage Road, named after the strip of ocean that separates Rottnest and Fremantle in Perth, Western Australia. They're currently running, and this is one of the great promotions, a Willy Wonka-style competition uh, except rather than a golden ticket, it's a golden fin up for grabs where you can win a year's supply of Gage Roads beer. There's one golden fin to be found in Western Australia, Queensland, South Australia, and Victoria. So don't mistake that for one across all four states. That's one in each state. Uh, the WA winner will also get a tour of the brewery and a tasting session. So talk about price, Trista. Unbelievable for our friends at Gage Roads as I Very here on the East Coast crack a single fin. Yes, very good prize. Uh, I have this single fin, obviously, coming into summer. This is the perfect time <laughs> for a single fin. So very much looking forward uh, to cracking a few more of those over the coming months. But uh, Victor Hovland wins the Mayakoba. First and foremost, breaks the Puerto Rico Open duck challenge after, uh, I suppose, the, the curse that's been on that uh, tournament. Tony Fina, of course, a winner. Still hasn't cracked a, a win yet again, no matter... How hard he tries, but uh, Victor Hovland winning uh, there at um, at one of the great golf courses to El Camelion, uh, that bunker uh, and that cave is, is quite intimidating, isn't it? We may, uh, in fact, and I think we'll get to the course shortly after discussing Victor Hovland's performance, but could be our point of disagreement this week because I've got a, f- a few little issues with um, the way that it played this week. But to your, to your original point there, Drudes, um, breaking the Puerto Rico Open curse. And actually, um, in preparation for tonight, I went back and had a listen to episode 36 of the 19th T, uh, mm-hmm. which coincided with Victor Hovland's win at the Puerto Rico Open back in February of this year. Uh, broke our golden rule of listening to anything prior to episode 40, um, <laughs> but I thought it was important in terms of the research. For the listeners that may not have been with us um, way back in episode 36, and for those that may be otherwise unaware of what we're referring to when we speak about the Puerto Rico Open course, uh, curse, sorry, it is, of course, the curse. That's hard to say. Um, of course, the curse that hangs over 
the PGA Tour event played in Puerto Rico. has been running for 11 years now, and prior to today, not one person who had won the Puerto Rico Open had won any other tournament on the PGA Tour. There had only been one repeat winner, uh, 29 and 2011 repeat winner of the Puerto Rico Open, but no winner of the Puerto Rico Open had ever won again on the PGA Tour, inclusive, as you said, of one of the most consistent players in world golf, Tony Finau, the champion back in 2016, still searching for win number two. Victor Hovland won it in February and uh, now on the 7th of December breaks the duck. Yeah. Well, it's, it's bizarre, isn't it, when you actually sit there and think about that, that no one has, has gone on to win after winning the Puerto Rico Open. Like, that is, that is, that's phenomenal. That wouldn't happen with any other golf tournament in the world, I wouldn't suggest. Uh, that they've gone on to 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 not win any other tournament, but uh, for Victor Hovland to come out here and and have a win. Look, we've spoken about how immensely talented this kid is out of Oklahoma State. Um, obviously, teammates with Matthew Wolf, very much a a golfing uh, a factory down there in Stillwater. Um, which is you know uh, Matthew Wolf has obviously been a, a very much a shining light, and I think he's been at the fore of. Probably the the two out of Hovland, uh, given his performances, particularly in majors this year. But um, yeah, I think Victor Hovland, immensely, immensely talented. He was a player, um, and I'm sure we'll circle around to it, but a player that I put in my further away uh, from success list. Um, and, and I think it was probably fair at the time. He was playing absolutely rubbish golf uh, yes. <laughs> when we did that. Okay, when... When was that? Just about the return to golf, something like that? Yeah, it would have been around the July period. Yeah, so um, he was playing garbage golf, uh, which so I think I was justified in it. But very, very good today. Uh, held off Aaron Wise, um, who, who flew home with a, a Sunday 63, uh, eight under par, but uh, a very, very good performance from Victor Holland all round. I'm just glad you've joined me as now having a person on your further away list to have actually won a tournament. Since we published that episode of the podcast, in all seriousness, though, um, mine didn't I, win a major. Though uh, this is true. This is you, yours. Didn't win one of the four biggest tournaments of the year, <laughs> in the ultimate egg to the face. Uh, we we joked, um, having listened back to that episode, we joked at the time that Victor Hovland may in fact break the curse ahead of Tony Finau, which would have seemed ridiculous at the time. I mean, this was a guy who for all his talent, prodigious talent at the college level, did break through for his maiden victory on an opposite field event. Like, we, we, we can't get away from the fact or the Hovland uh, won in Puerto Rico back in February at the same time as the WGC in Mexico. And we probably tempered our expectations, Drudes, around the field that he beat at the time and what sort of result that may translate to when he was playing against the strongest field. But um, he has come along leaps and bounds in the last couple of weeks. And I think in many respects, and, and this is down to form, you mentioned where he's out in the middle of the year, which was in complete no man's land from a golfing perspective. But not that it's surprising today, but he has kind of gone a little bit off the radar compared to the others in his graduating class. I mean, mm-hmm. Matthew Wolf's been ultra impressive since the return of golf. Colin Morikawa has won a major since the return of golf. And, and Victor Hovland's been quietly going about his business while not um, knocking doors down. He's been getting the job done and, and, and breaks through today. And I think, goes to show, we spoke about it at the time back in February when he won, we are in for an absolute treat across the next decade if these three players continue to etch out performances, be it in majors or week-to-week on the tour, 
uh, whereby they're either in the top five or winning tournaments. Like with three guys like that headlining the next decade of golf, um, yeah, <laughs> we're in for a treat. Oh, we certainly are. There's no doubt about it. I think. I mean, look, there's there's a bunch of players that you put in that uh, in that sort of category: Morikawa, Hovland, um, Sungjae Im, Matthew Wolf. Who else am I missing? There's probably plenty more that I've, I've missed out there. But it seems as though Victor Hovland um, and Matthew Wolf get a lot more attention because they're a little bit unique. I mean, Colin Morikawa kind of just slides into the background, mm. even though he's won a major, which is bizarre, right? Um, he's and we said it's kind of this this schoolboy personality that um, of you know of the private schoolboy, whereas Matthew Wolf is a bit of that public school kid um, that's a bit of the troublemaker. Not to throw uh, not to throw a public school system under the bus, but it's it's very very different uh, when you compare all of those players. And uh, and I think Victor Hovland is probably. For me, probably one of the more exciting ones out of that group to, to keep an eye on. Um, I said at the time when I put him in my further away from success, there was no doubt that he was going to be a multiple, multiple time winner on the PGA Tour. It was just going to take some time. And and I think, you know, he beat a good field this week. I mean, I don't think we should take that away from him. Um, I mean, yes, there were a couple of key people who weren't there coming off the back of the Masters and all the rest of it. But uh, I, uh, for him to, to go out today and, and shoot a 65 and particularly set himself up yesterday on Saturday, moving day, whatever you want to call it, uh, with a 63 is, is a very polished performance from a, from a young man uh, who's very early in his career as well. Yeah, certainly one to watch, I think, as we... Obviously, we're going to um, head into the Christmas break, but wouldn't surprise me at all if come that... Uh, you know, when we go to places like Hawaii, I mean, let, let's not get away from the fact that it was a little soft today. And I think that that suited, well, not just today, it was soft across the weekend, but I think that suited Victor Hovland to a T. He can hit a long ball. Um, but <laughs> it's fair to say he doesn't like using the wedge too much around the green, Drew. So the, the closer that he can get to the green and the softer the greens are, where he can really pinpoint the irons and take the wedges out of the hand, the better for Victor Hovland. And I'll be interested to see when we get to places like Hawaii where he might stand up because, you know, traditionally... Start of the year, Hawaii, it is also wet, it's also soft. Um, I think he may well, uh, and obviously he clearly has a penchant for winning in um, exotic locations, Puerto Rico, Mexico. Can he go to Hawaii and get it done early in the year? I think that's where we may see him pop his head up again in terms of big performance. But you're right, the, the, certainly the sleeper of the, of the big three, if you want to call them that, of, of Generation Next, uh, but put in a performance this weekend just to remind us all that he should certainly not be forgotten about. No, no, I think it'll give him a lot of momentum going into 21 as well. Obviously, this is the last, or this was the last um, full PGA Tour event of the year. I know we've got the QBA shootout to to come, but who really cares about that? Um, but well, <laughs> sorry, sorry, QBA. But um, yeah, I think it will set him up nicely for 21. Uh, as you said, we go into Century Tournament of Champions in Kapalua uh, there, and then off to Honolulu uh, the week after for the, the Sony Open where our boy Cam Smith's the reigning champ. So it, it could set up really nicely for Victor Hovland. I mean, uh, the thing and the knock that I've always had on him and a lot of those younger guys as well is the, the, the difference between their best and worst golf. The gap between mm. that is, is enormous and that's what uh, he needs to minimise if he wants to start playing a lot more consistently on the world's best tour when, um, you know, some of the key top players are back like your Justin Johnsons, etc. So... Let's not take anything away from him, though. Very good. No, his second victory on the PGA Tour. And as you rightly said, Drudes, the biggest headline is the the lifting of the Puerto Rico Open curse. So congratulations to Victor Hovland. 
wasn't necessarily surprising to see him compete. I think what does surprise me when you consider you mentioned the strength of the field is you look at the people behind him because an outstanding weekend um, for guys like Aaron Wise, Adam Long, who I seem to be seeing a lot of Adam Long's name mm-hmm. yeah, of late Druids. His last couple of tournaments have been very impressive. Tom Hogue, Harris English has been another person who hasn't necessarily been winning tournaments, have been amongst the best. I mean, that next crop of guys, Wise, Long, Hogue, English, Horschel, Glover, Todd, I mean, I'm probably put Brendan Todd in a bit of a different category given he went close to three wins on the PGA Tour last year. But, you know, those guys are ahead of him to beat out the rest of the field, which we'll also work our way through in a moment. Uh, a good weekend for maybe what we'd call the, well, probably ungenerously the battlers of the PGA Tour, Druids. Yeah, and I, but I think that's what this this event is, right? Like, it's not a, it's not a massive event on the, on the PGA Tour, right? It is, that's what this event's there for is... Um, I know Dustin Johnson was scheduled to to uh, to go and then pulled out. Obviously, winning the Masters gave him a bit of clout to be able to do that. But I think there's certainly events along the way, uh, and that's why you see the big players um, not really playing during the fall. Uh, it was only because the Masters was on this year that we saw the big fields. Um, but, yeah, I mean, good on Victor. Uh, very, very pleased for him. Played very, very well. I think it was Bo. Uh, it, he had one bogey on twelve today, which kind of opened the door, but then quickly uh, slammed it shut with uh, three three birdies in the final six holes, which was very impressive. So, um, uh, big props to to Victor Hovland, just picking out uh, a man who I was rooting very hard for, and Aaron Wise, who um, who had a bogey free sixty three today. Um, Oh, I got a lot of time for Aaron Wise. Really like. And why is that, Drews? <laughs> He's a good Oregon boy. Well, uh, there it is. Came out of Oregon, born in uh, South Africa, um, which uh, also hosted a uh, an event this this week, which we'll get to. Uh, playing the NCAA championship in uh, at the University of Oregon, and I mean, look, there's no doubting that he's he hasn't really put his best foot forward since then. He's stepping onto the PGA Tour. He's had some okay results this year. He had a T11 at the Houston Open um, and T17 at the Sanderson Farms, but uh, other than that, there's not been a, a hell of a lot to write home about for Aaron Wise. Um, similarly, uh, the, the Oregon football team, absolutely shit house at the moment, whereas, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, look, I'm sure that you'll, you'll, be, uh, you, you, you'll take your chance to have a pot shot at, at Oregon because I think I texted you last week and said um, you being a mad Texas Longhorns fan, Welcome. Welcome Horns, Welcome. Um, you, I, I said that they got dusted uh, a couple of weeks ago and then uh, Oregon went out and lost. As well, so Texas jumps back into the rankings, which is very nice for you, but uh, Oregon absolutely shit us. Especially considering was not much expected of the the Longhorns going into this season and still, from what I read, some headline speculations around the future of coach Tom Herman um, yes. moving forward. Uh, so, well, well, look, under spite some adversity. Yes, but I mean, there is certainly some uh, questions do need to be asked when uh, you are six and three and you're, you're ranked... Uh, you know, ahead of uh, some teams who who are undefeated this year, which is, uh, I mean, more more to do with the process that, <laughs> that goes on in college football uh, ranking uh, ranking systems. But anyway, it's a good segue into to college football. I was going to say that this um, does sound like a, a significant digression from what we usually speak here. But college football was sprinkled dreads throughout the weekend. You could you could say. 
Yeah, oh, absolutely. It was a um, it was a big part of uh, college game day. Obviously, going back now, fortnight uh, college game day, um, a huge pregame show was held at Augusta for the Masters, um, mm. and then. Uh, with all the uh, with the flexible schedules that are going on at the moment, BYU Brigham Young University um, Brigham Young, many people know for the uh, what's the the play that was here last year from the South Park guys. Can't remember what it was called. You know, oh, Book of Mormons. Yeah, very funny, very very funny seeing that Brigham Young from there uh, taking on Coastal Carolina, which is Dustin Johnson's alma mater, uh, and so Dustin Johnson jumping on to uh, co- uh, college game day to have a chat to uh, Lou Holtz and the team uh, in his green jacket with a Coastal Carolina tie on. The, it was a very funny photo. He was the only one to tip Coastal Carolina and they got up by five points. So uh, Dustin Johnson having a good run at the moment. Isn't he going well? Um, and uh, thus probably ends our uh, <laughs> college football foray. But uh, it is a passion of ours and I'm sure there'll be plenty more, uh, plenty more college football updates for everyone who... Who's, uh, Cares or doesn't in. care, really. Yeah, who's tuning into the 90s tea for uh, their, their college football updates. <laughs> Drew, so, uh, other names to run through. Are there mm. any that jumped out at you? I've got a couple of things I'd yeah. like to just press on briefly uh, from the Mayakoba, but I just thought uh, I'd, I'd garner your interest first on any other names that jumped out at you this week. Yeah, uh, I'd just a uh, quick nod to Harris English, uh, jumping up 15 places today with a uh, 63, which was the equal low round of the day alongside uh, Aaron Wise, as we mentioned. Um, a couple of interesting ones. Justin Thomas, uh, 69 mm. today, dropped seven spots. I mean, mm. uh, I know, look, we spoke about this ad nauseum a little while back about his ability to finish, and I know he was there or thereabouts today. But, um, yeah, just uh, I almost feel a little bit of that, – that's probably a little bit disappointing for JT, I'd suggest. Um, I don't know how you assess that performance, but um, to, to have a, a nice two-under – uh, round started going into the back nine and then making a, a double bogey on the 10th uh, doesn't really set your round up overly well. Um, and that was pretty much all she wrote on the, uh, on the back nine there. Let me give you a little stat. Yeah, I got a little bit excited. I got a little bit of warmth in my loins, Druids, when he hit a Saturday 62, lit the course on fire. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, here we go. We're on. And then I read a stat from our mate, Justin Ray, uh, that going into the final round after that 62, four shots back, he has in his career two PGA Tour wins when trailing by four or more entering Sunday, including earlier this year at the WGC FedEx. So mm. has a habit of going on, albeit in the past, getting things done, coming off a hot Saturday round. We still ground to make up on Sunday. But yeah, to to your point, we've had this conversation a number of times. I'm not... Again, I'm not here to question. He is one of the most talented players not playing at the moment of his generation. Um, and I'm, I'm stand by that. I die on that hill. But I don't know. I was really, really bullish about his chances going into the, the Masters. I, shit, I tipped him. Uh, and he was disappointing um, at Augusta National, a place where it's set up well for him. And here in an event that, to the point we've just been saying, no, no world beaters. There wasn't too many people up the top of that leaderboard come the end that would make a player like Justin Thomas shaking his boots. Mm. Would have had everyone looking over their shoulder on, on Sunday after that 62 the day before. Kind of just faded out, really somewhat disappointingly. Yeah, 
Oh, I completely agree. Completely agree. I think there was, um, oh, I mean, it is becoming harder to to defend the statement that does he have an issue with closing. I, I mean, I, I don't think anyone can deny that at the moment. And I mean, today probably wasn't a close because he was still four shots off the lead, but um, you would have expected him to be a little bit closer at the end, I would suggest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I just had a question that I yes, want to please. pose to you. Brandon Grace finished T40. Yes. Uh, not a name that we talk about a lot, Brandon Grace. No. Uh, of S- uh, South African native. Yeah. Brandon Grace. What is your thoughts on him playing at the Mayakoba Golf Classic instead of returning home to play in the South African Open? Ooh. A tournament that he's won in the past, I believe. I believe he, yes. he's a winner of his own national open. Yes. Look, that's a question. I've, I've just thrown that at you. We yes. Should, we should. <laughs> yes, you have. And the only reason I'm hesitating is I'd, I'd really like to know where he was last week. Did that's he really leave good. South Africa? Pad to go. Pad like, for did, a bit. Yeah. If I can pad for a bit here, you're going to go and look at last week's European Tour event in South Africa and tell me if he played there. So I'm going to have a probably more of a problem if he left South Africa to play in a... Uh, weekend event in Mexico rather than staying home to support his national open. If in fact he has been away for a little while, if in fact he has been traveling uh, and if in fact this was an opportunity for him to go down uh, against the field that he probably fancied himself pretty well, then I'm probably okay with it. But it feeds into the conversation that you and I have had several times about players flying home to Australia to compete now in our summer, uh, which has been, let's face it, a struggle in recent years. Obviously we got Scotty home last year and, and Cam Smith has been a tremendous supporter in, in previous years, being a multiple winner of the Australian PGA. But look, on face value, it doesn't sit well. I'd like to see players, particularly in a region like South Africa, who have outstanding courses, some of the best names in world golf in the last 20 years, but probably struggle to get the the attention that they deserve and credit for, to the European Tour for uh, not just going there. Once I think they're there for a three-tournament stretch at the moment and a great supporter of South African golf, but they also need South African golfers to be great supporters of South African golf. He didn't play there last week. Okay. I feel like I've probably ranted there for a little while longer than I need to with that, uh, with that being the knowledge. But I, I just, to, like what I think is that it's, the season's done, mm, right? I like, disagree. Like, what are you playing? You're playing in two pretty shitty events. No disrespect, kind of. Mm. But, like, you could go home and support that that National Open. Someone like Adila Frontelli has been, been back and played the last two, two or three events. There's guys that, that um, you know, uh, guys like Christian Bezoiden, Bezoidenhout has the played battery. the last couple, the battery. Uh, I don't know. It's just just a a random question to the side that I thought uh, was worth was worth including. I agree. I agree. Um, talk to me about the course because you have always been a big fan of this course, and it's hard not to be impressed by the literal natural cave yeah. that sits in the middle of it. Uh, some some sort of hazard. I'm just a little bit disappointed, and and not taking anything away from. Difficult time of year, uh, particularly from a weather standpoint. Oh, it, was a, it was a bit limp. God, mm. it was soft. Oh. Like, incredibly soft. We thought Augusta was soft on day one. This was, this made Augusta look like St. Andrews, to be honest. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think that's just the way that 
this course plays though you know very very obviously very coastal um very humid and and like tropical uh in many ways mexico um probably probably wouldn't class itself as tropical but there's certainly that you, you know where i'm going at with the, the humidity um the the cave is is fascinating in itself uh just the the foresight that greg norman had when designing that course to not remove it or or try to fill it in or make it something else to just keep it there i think is obviously what makes el Camaleon the course that it is i think um if there wasn't that there would it be as good as what people potentially talk about my suggestion is probably not um but yeah it's a it is a very very interesting golf course that um that you can go and play Uh, it is a public golf course uh, which is very very exciting um and yeah i'm just looking at a photo right now of the cave that's there and yeah it's an intimidating shot to get out of there but to your point i couldn't agree more pretty pretty um pretty soft pretty average in a lot of ways i mean we both like those hard and fast styles of of golf the saint andrews the links sort of styles and uh, and the augustas when we're playing in a normal time of year but um yeah i thought i thought it was a little disappointing i'll agree with you there uh, just a couple of other small pieces from the Maya Cobra Druids from me. A couple of stats. Uh, remiss of me not to bring this up when we're talking about Victor Hovland, but this, I think, underscores. We, talk, we talked about the fact that we sleep on him a little comparatively to the, the big three of the next generation. How's this for a stat? Only six players since the year 2000 secured their second PGA Tour win at a younger age than Victor Hovland. So Victor Hovland today, 23 years, two months, 18 days, wins for the second time. This is the list of six players who've done it at a younger age. Spieth, Garcia, McElroy, Rahm, Siwoo Kim, Anthony Kim. Handy. Handy list. That's not bad. (laughs) That's an incredible list. Now, albeit there's a couple of guys... Uh, I think, and, and obviously the name that everyone would have been searching for is uh, Woods. Well, he had a few more wins than two, and he was younger than that in the year 2000. So don't stress, Tiger was just carving up in the mid to late 90s. Uh, that's why his name's not, not on that list. I, I, even I had a double take there. Where the fuck's Tiger? Um, but to, uh, and to the point, Colin Morikawa has, I think, a year on uh, on Victor Hovland. So he's got plenty of time to join that list. But again, that, that just underscores how impressive he is. Uh, and and the fact that yeah, he gets a little bit lost. Now, speaking of age and speaking of uh, impressive starts to a career, it hasn't been all roses for Akshay Batia. And he, of course, is the 18-year-old who turned pro, no college, went immediately pro out of high school, um, didn't have any exemptions, has literally uh, put his clubs on his back and travelled around um, Monday qualifying into tournament after tournament after tournament. It hasn't been to the point all roses. He's missed far more cuts than he's made. But, Druids, how's this for a stat? Uh, Most rounds in the 60s before age 19 on the PGA Tour since the year 2000. Danny Lee had 15. Jason Day had nine. Jordan Spieth had nine. And uh, including two this week, Akshay Batia has eight. Huge. So that's a kid. Uh, He hasn't obviously had the start that 
others have had, but he's also got about four years on those those guys that we've just been speaking about and did not go through the rigours of college golf, which the other three did. So Akshay Batia is a name to look out for. Uh, the young Big left-hander. He is a lefty too, which I love. Yes. Uh, um, so just a couple of stats there I thought we should bring up. Yes. I just want to run through a couple of players who didn't make the cut. Uh, Brooks Kepka. Uh, finished mm. even par cut line was at one under. There's a name I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to uh, that was around that. Ricky Fowler missed the cut. Sebastian Munoz, one of our favourites, El Jefe missed the cut. Uh, the Aussies were pretty average all round. You got to scroll a long way down to find uh, Mark Leishman's name at nine over, missing the cut. Cameron Percy withdrew. The one I just did want to touch on: a major winner, Gary Woodland. Can someone tell me where Gary Woodland's game is at right now? I'm not sure it came back from the break, to be fair. Like, he has been dismal for a guy who is as immensely talented. Since, since the President's Cup last year, he went to Century, Century Tournament of Champions, finished T7, missed the cut at the Farmers Insurance Open, uh, then played okay up until the break, came back, finished ninth at the Charles Schwab, and that was sort of what we expected. Then T62 at RBC Heritage, cut at the Travellers, finished in the top, uh, finished T5 at the Workday Charity Open, but who didn't? The Memorial Tournament uh, finished T22, St. Jude T57, T58 at the PGA Championship, missed the cut at the Northern Trust, T33 at the BMW. Then we come to the 21 season, missed the cut at the US Open, 72nd at the CJ Cup, withdrew from the Zozo, cut from the Masters, cut from the Mayakoba. His game is absolutely nowhere at the moment. He's losing 1.98 shots on the field and more than two shots off the tee. Like, I don't know what, what is happening with Gary Woodland right now, but alarm bells are starting to ring for Gary in my head. A major winner. That seems such a long time ago comparatively to where he's at and those stats that you just read out. Doesn't it? Seems like an age ago. Yeah. Um, anyway, just wanted to put that to our uh, to our uh, put him on notice um, as as You're we on do. Notice Gary officially from the nineteenth two podcast. You are otherwise uh, we won't be talking about you anymore. Uh, we did get a question come through from at Ramdog eighty three. Who wins more majors, uh, Hovland, Morikawa, or Wolf? I'm going to assume that means in their career. Yes. Who? I tend to agree. Uh, still Morikawa for mine. Yeah, same. I think, I think so. he has, don't get me wrong, I think both of the others will win a major. I've got no doubt about that. Uh, I'm incredibly surprised if, if if either of those guys didn't win a major, which is saying something, right, because there's a long list of great players who haven't won a major. I just think both of them are capable. Uh, I do think um, in terms of longevity, uh, in terms of the all-round game, in terms of the consistency, I think Colin Morikawa, um, has the best chance to have sustained success. I also think, and this is wildly uneducated, but I don't know how sustainable Matthew Wolf's swing is. I'm just going to say this. Yes. Yep. Um, and Victor Hovland has some certain off-course proclivities. Uh, <laughs> doesn't mind the grass, Victor. <laughs> um, has openly admitted that. Uh, and, and I just kind of think that not only is Colin dialed, like he he is a killer. He's got kind of like that... Um, and and I'm I'm loath to to saddle him with this burden, but he's kind of got that that tiger like mindset that 
sets him aside from most of the other competitors in the field. He's just a killer, born killer, and an incredibly efficient and pretty swing that will see him have sustained success over a 10 to 15-year career, I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Completely agree with you. I think uh, Morikawa is the clear cut out of those. For mine, did you have anything else from uh, El Camaleon? Just want to make a quick mention of Joaquin Neiman. Mm-hmm. Finished uh, T12 this week, I believe. Uh, has committed, I think, this week and for the foreseeable future to donate his entire uh, prize money to his young cousin. If you follow Joaquin Neiman on his socials, his young cousin's suffering an affliction back in Chile. Uh, uh, that's incredibly rare disease and extremely expensive to treat. And he's doing a bit of uh, crowd funding uh, to help the treatment of his young cousin. And he's committing uh, all of his prize money uh, in this event. And as I said, for the foreseeable future, including um, additional money for every birdie uh, and eagle, I believe. So shout out to Joaquin Neiman. It's obviously, it hits close to home and close to your heart when it's a member of your family, but it's still a fantastic thing to do. And I'd encourage people who have a little bit of miscellaneous cash, which isn't a lot at this time of the, this time of the year, particularly after the year we've been through. But uh, if you can spare a bit, jump on Joaquin Neiman's socials and have a look at the story because it's quite um it's quite heartbreaking to be honest what he's going through and credit to him for doing what he's doing yes completely agree Rooster, on that note we should uh move on but not before we have a quick word from some of the sponsors of this great program including our great friends at future golf given the season is well and truly here and if you're keen to begin or continue your golfing journey then future golf is for you, Australia's largest golfing community for younger players, providing access to some of Australia's best courses. Your membership includes free rounds, over 100 discounted green fees Australia-wide, a free professional lesson and ex-golf simulator session, and of course, Drude's the all-important Golf Australia Handicap, the reason we all do it, the big pissing contest. Over the Christmas and summer period, what's better than a few mates, a game of golf and a few beers? And in that instance, Future Golf delivers the perfect membership for you and your mates. The best part, though, of course, is the price 19th T listeners get a huge 20% off any Future Golf membership with the promo code the 19th T. So if you're looking for a place to play without the jacket and tie, look no further than Future Golf. Head to futuregolf.com.au forward slash join. And don't forget to use the 19th T promo code for a massive 20% off. Future Golf, play your way. You know, he has been playing their way, Drudes, and it's been serving him well. That is the battery. Our friend Christian Bazudenhout, his second win in as many weeks over in South Africa. He wins his national open, the one we mentioned just before that Brandon Grace couldn't be asked getting to. Well, don't think Christian Bazudenhout minded because, uh, as I said, two and two weeks, Drudes. Yeah, oh, phenomenal performance. This one was better than last week, too. Uh, five shot winner uh, there um, at, I think it was at Gary Players course i believe i might be completely wrong sun that, city which you yeah you get yourself in a bit of trouble in sun city Whoa. yes yeah uh beautiful beautiful golf course uh, they do a great job over there in south africa uh but yeah a, a phenomenal first three days really 67s across the three days is is just um exceptionally good golf and then a 69 on sunday so really had it all wrapped up uh come uh come the first tee on sunday really uh beat jamie donaldson Obviously, the Welshman there uh, having, um, well, I mean, look, he shot even par on on Saturday, but uh, that 
didn't really help him overly much, but a 63 on Friday was the uh, catalyst for him. So very, very good goal from Jamie Donaldson and uh, Dylan Fratelli in third at 11 under as well. So big weekend or, or big couple of weeks for Christian Bezoyden. Oh, fuck, I'm just going to call him Battery. I can't pronounce it. So I actually spoke um, to a South African colleague of mine. Yes. Uh, and he said to me, Christian, because yep. that's, the, that's the double A, Christian. Yep. Uh, and I believe it's Bozadenhot or yeah. Hot. Bozadenhot. Right, so I won't be saying that. I'll be calling yeah. him the battery. It's difficult. Uh, the battery, here's a stat. And we always speak about the conversion of form from the European Tour to the PGA because mm. no matter how you spin it, no matter the fact that the European Tour is far and away our more favoured tour, uh, there is a gap in class. I wouldn't call it a chasm, but I'd certainly call it a gap. Mm irrespective and we will be very interested to see how the battery goes on to convert his form on the pga tour he is the first player on the european tour to win back-to-back weeks by four or more shots since ian woosnam was he way back in 1990 Mm. yeah you weren't born yet no i wasn't that's the last time someone won back-to-back and with four or more strikes so that's quite, quite the statistic isn't it Mm. Um, I think more importantly out of this week, uh, I found a lot more great South African names that I really like. Talk, um, talk to me. JC Ritchie. That's great. In fifth. I mean, look, I thought I might be seeing him doing a bit of disc jockeying out one night. JC Ritchie. Uh, Henny Duplessis. Fantastic name. Uh, they're just two that I found. Uh, Louis de Jaeger. I really yeah, we love that. that. We love uh, that. JB, spelled J-B-E. Kruger, yeah, fantastic. Um, who else have we got here? Oh, there's one that I just can't even pronounce. That was very, very, very good. Uh, anyway, that's that's uh, just Nathan's names. Uh, I do I do want to mention um, Austin Batista, the mm. Aussie, uh, finishing two over. Um, who who's been playing some good golf of late as well, picking up uh, a touch under ten grand for finishing. 40th, um, yeah, he's he's been playing quite nicely. And, uh, yeah, MJ Viljoon, I'm still finding heaps of these. This is fantastic. So uh, all the people listening to this, what the fuck are you doing? Um, <laughs> that was one of the two tournaments played on the European Tour this week. Yes, uh, I was going to say over in Dubai, we had another event. Odd, don't you think? Like it's not because they're not it's really strange. opposite field events, really. No, not at all. <laughs> Take your pick, boys. Whatever you feel like doing. Yeah, quite odd. Obviously, we're going there uh, to the. We'll be staying in Dubai for the the World Tour Championship uh, this week, which is which is going to be very exciting. But uh, oh, geez, do you want to pronounce first name of the winner in Dubai? Antoine. I Antoine. Believe. Antoine Rosner. Yeah, uh, secures his. Made in European Tour title, finishing uh, at a conservative 25 under for the week. <laughs> Obviously, tough conditions over there in Dubai. Um, two strokes ahead of a group of five, including Matt Wallace, Andy Sullivan, Mike Lorenzo Vera, and Francesco Laporta. Uh, two names there. Mike Lorenzo Vera is incredibly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot going on. There's a ponytail out the back of a visor. There's a strong French accent and even stronger French attitude slash arrogance. I find him fantastic to watch. There's a, a Nike uh, shirt that's often one and a half sizes too small um, that you know, we definitely like to bulge out of if we're Mike Lorenzo Vera. And Andy Sullivan is one of the most entertaining players also on the European tour. There's a fantastic video floating around of Andy Sullivan. I think it was either late last year or early this year. 
Um, not surprising given he's a European tour player and this is European tour content, but I believe they took him out to a course in his native England and gave him a hundred balls to try and hit a hole in one uh, on a short par three. And it is five and a half of the best minutes you'll watch. Just the trials and tribulations, the emotional journey. I won't uh, give any spoilers as to whether or not he secured it, but you, you ride every emotion with Andy Sullivan and you get to the end of that and think you're exactly the type of guy I'd like to walk 18 holes with and then have a beer at the end because he's great. You know who I wouldn't like to walk 18 holes and have a beer with? Whom? How Tom Lee finished 56th, uh, eight under. Still got this. Uh, he's nice. just never going to get off my shit list. No, he's a terrible bloke. No. Terrible bloke. You know, I heard an, an interview recently with Joaquin mm. Neiman, um, who was also a member of the International President's Cup team and didn't um, also have a great week at Royal Melbourne at the end of last year, but at least he knew he tried. Shit, he gave his heart and his, mm. and his, and his soul did Joaquin Neiman. He got asked about how Tong Lee and... Um, in his thick Chilean accent, had a bit of a giggle and said, oh, Tong's great, bloke. We had a good laughs across the week. Well, you know what, Joaquin, I like you, but maybe if Tong had a little less laughs and a little more listening to Ernie Els and didn't take a driver off off the first, then potentially we get that point, half a point that we needed to win the thing. Or potentially, you know, Tong just doesn't come at all if he's not uninterested and we yeah. get someone there who does, a warm body at least, and we win the thing and make history. So... How Tom can save his jokes, Drudes? I'll just rather win. I, I completely agree with you. Completely agree. I, I hope he never gets picked ever again. Uh, it was disappointing that he qualified automatically. I'd rather, I'd like to see that process change so that he doesn't get to uh, get to get a spot. Uh, I do want to just mention a a, a player uh, who missed the cut, finished 104th with a rounds of 78 and 73. Don't but, often get mentioned on this podcast if you finish in the hundreds, but please, please proceed. No. Uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Issa Abu El Ayla. Now, I mentioned him because he's an Egyptian golfer. And it's not often that we see, in fact, look, we've, pro- we've been following golf quite closely for the last little, little while anyway, the last few years. Mm-hmm. I have not seen any Egyptian golfers nope. on either tour. So that's fantastic to see him, even though he didn't play overly, uh, overly well, finishing uh, nearly, nearly dead last. Um, I think that's absolutely fantastic. So uh, big props to Issa. Hope he gets another another shot. I'd love uh, to know what the, his home course looks like. Yeah. There in Egypt. Yeah, I'm not sure. We'll have to do a little bit of digging. And uh, I'd also love to have him on, yeah. Issa. I mean, geez, we probably could. I mean, I can't imagine the poor blokes being hounded for interviews. Inundated with requests. We'll try and find him on Instagram. I wouldn't have thought so. Good on you, Issa. That's, uh, that's good from you, Dreads. I like, so like to say it's hashtag inclusion on this podcast. Uh, big big week coming up on the European tour. Yeah, just before we talk about that, Dreads, yeah. I want to tell everybody about uh, the King Super Sport 35 putter oh, from yes. our mates at Cobra. Developed over the last two years in collaboration with Cobra Engineers and the teams at HP and Parmatech. The King Super Sport 35 putter, which you have in your hot little hands at the moment, features a fully cop this a fully 3d printed metal body with an intricate ladder structure to optimize weight distribution and deliver the highest possible moi in a blade shape in addition to the 3d printed design the king super sport 35 features a face inserted design in partnership with sik golf utilizing their patented descending loft technology to create the most consistent and accurate roll on every putt uh, mine is currently en route from melbourne roads I'm becoming increasingly impatient because you keep sending me photos and 
videos of you rolling the 3D printed King Supersport 35, and I'm increasingly unjealous. Yeah, well, so you should be. It's very, very good. I uh, took it out for a round yesterday and um, absolutely putted the lights out. So um, I'm putting it all down to the putter because I haven't done anything different. So must um, be. Very, very good, very clean, uh, and a very, very true roll as well. Love the weight distribution, as I mentioned. So you'll look forward to having that in your hand. I am, and you can too. It was launched uh, late November, so it's on the market as we speak, but in very limited quantities in Australia, giving the exclusive innovative technology. So the King Supersport 35, take a look, cobragolf.com, or jump into your your local retailer, have a chat. The boys there know all the ins and outs of the new Cobra Sport uh, King Supersport 35. So as I said, limited quantities. Make sure if you are interested, first and foremost, jump online, cobragolf.com and check it out. But uh, you'd be crazy not to at least have a bit of a trial at your local uh, driving range, pro shop, drum and golf, all the all your good stockets of Cobra. But check it out first and foremost at cobragolf.com. Now, Drudes, I just want to mention briefly, before we look ahead, LPGA this week, the yes. old American golf club, the Volunteers of America, Texas shootout. Now, there's yes. a couple of reasons I love that. First and foremost, we love the volunteers here at the 19th Tee. Heartbeat of sport wouldn't be where we are without them. Uh, we love Texas and we love shootouts. So there's plenty to like about this event, plenty to like as well about Angela Stafford's mm. uh, three-shot victory. She finishes uh, seven under for the tournament after a four under round four. So she went away from them uh, mm. today in the field and beat some pretty bloody impressive names in B Park, Soyon Roo, uh, a number of names we've spoken about on this podcast. But even more impressive, as I pad to find the stat that I had earlier, her seventh career victory on the LPGA Tour. In the last 10 seasons, Druids, there have been 290 tournament wins total on the LPGA Tour. Of those 290, only three, including today, have come from players aged 40 or older. In that same amount of time, 29 have been won by teenagers. <laughs> Wild. So there is the trend. As we know, uh, you know, you have time on your side as a male golfer. You tend to peak in your late 20s. Uh, increasingly the peak age for an LPGA star is into the early 20s, late teens, Drudes. And mm. Angela Stafford has bucked that trend with a very impressive win at the Old American Golf Club. Absolutely. Uh, home uh, home tour event for her, uh, which is very exciting and, and very exciting to beat such a such a good field, as you mentioned there. Um, obviously, some of those names that you rattled off in Park obviously just continues to get it done, doesn't she? She, gets, uh, she just gets better with age. But... Good to see the Aussies, four Aussies finishing inside the top 25, which was really exciting uh, for them as well. Um, but uh, big things coming up to the for the uh, LPGA, the US Women's Open uh, this weekend. Um, Cypress Creek, yes. Down, uh, yeah, which is going to be very, very exciting. So I'm looking forward to to uh, to watching that. So, um, I mean, look, I'm, I'm assuming that KO will have it on here. I mean, I actually don't know, so... Uh, you would imagine so. We probably should have done a bit more research, but you would imagine they will, uh, they will have well, it on. You if you don't mind a tipple, Druids, I'll, uh, I'll tip you into to this little stat heading in terms of form lines. Uh, yes. Mentioned two names that finished 
T2 uh, this week in Texas. Uh, Soyon Rue in B Park, two shots behind Angela Stafford. Uh, Rue and Park have the two best scoring averages at the US Open women's since 2010 with a minimum 16 rounds played. So a tournament they A, love and B, in pretty good form coming yeah, in. So exactly. you would be surprised if we're talking next week and the winner is not coming out of either MB Park or Soyon Rue. Very. It's going to be uh, going to be a big, big weekend. I mean, between that and, uh, well, that and the, the finale of the, the European Tour, it's going to be an exciting exciting time with no PGA Tour events happening as well. I think that's, uh, that's important to note. Anything else, Drews, in terms of golf being played? There is one more thing we need to mention before we go. Uh, no, just the, uh, the, 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 uh, the world tour championship in Dubai happens is the finale for the European, uh, tour, obviously some very, very good names going around. Patrick Reed, Tommy Fleetwood, Colin Morikawa, Westwood, the battery, Perez, Tyrrell Hatton, Rasmus Hoygaard, Eric Van Roy and Sung Jm hopefully makes the cut. Fitzpatrick, there's heaps, there's a very, very good field. Bobby McIntyre. A uh, very, very good field assembled, so looking forward to watching that. And more importantly, uh, currently missing out uh, in the cutoff position, which is subject to change, uh, how tongue So good to know. Anyway, <laughs> anything else from you? Uh, just one from me, Drew, before we go. And we, yeah. should, uh, we should mention the uh, sad passing of Peter Ailis, uh, the <laughs> legendary BBC golf commentator, commonly known as the voice of golf, particularly for fans of the game in the UK and Europe. Uh, Sadly died overnight at the age of 89, synonymous with the BBC's golf coverage for more than half a century. Quite remarkably, Drew, his first experience behind the microphone came at the 1961 Open Championship. Mm. In a tournament, he was playing and challenging the king, Arnold Palmer, on the course. Uh, also coincided with his first time behind the microphone. He, as I said, has become synonymous with the BBC's coverage of golf for more than half a century. Uh, if you've not heard much of Peter Ellis, if you've heard none of Peter Ellis, and you do nothing else over the next day or two days, take five minutes out to do two things. Go to YouTube. Um, firstly, look up the alternative BBC golf coverage of Tiger's chip-in on 16 at the 2005 Masters, of course, when he overran DeMarco and won. But we're all familiar with the American coverage. Uh, You know, the in your life, Mm. have you ever seen anything like that? In fact, it features in our opening. Peter Ailes is the the literal polar opposite. He he keeps his bearings while all around him uh, go absolutely berserk and the juxtaposition not only to the American commentary but just the nature of his calm commentary in such an extreme moment is actually poetry. It's, it's beautiful to listen to. So I urge you to go and listen to that. Secondly, have a listen. And this is what stood out for me because the amount of players that I have seen, um, inclusive of Phil Mickelson, who says it's the best or amongst the best speeches he's ever seen anywhere. The amount of people today remembering Peter Ellis referencing his speech when he was inducted for lifetime achievement into the world golf hall of fame back in 2012, He made an incredible acceptance speech, which has been wildly referenced today, as I said. And so take the time, go and have a listen to the acceptance speech, go and have a listen to the commentary Tigers chip in, and just appreciate uh, a man who has really been for half the world uh, the voice of this game in our living rooms uh, week in, week out on the BBC. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, and a phenomenal golfer in his own right as well. Um, won 23 tournaments uh, in his own right. But, I mean, look, some of the one-liners, you know, just going back through, uh, obviously, um, a number of articles being published today, but, it's, but some of them that you just forget about, the one-liners over the years that uh, that you hear, um, like one good th- one of the good things about the rain in Scotland is that most of it ends up as scotch. Uh, fantastic. Um, and, and a personal favourite. Uh, it was in the 2002 Open where Tiger Woods shot that uh, infamous 81. He said it was like turning up to hear Pavarotti sing and finding out that he has laryngitis, which is, I suppose, just uh, an homage to his quick wit um, and uh, his incredible work behind the microphone. And I think, uh, well, I know that golf is going to be a lot more, a lot poorer for not having Peter uh, with us anymore. So, um, yeah, obviously very, very sad news to, uh, to see today. Condolences to his family and obviously to all people who, uh, you know, felt a connection all there just through the television with Peter Ellis. Uh, the game will certainly be poorer for his loss. Drew, so that's it for us this week, I believe. Yes, that um, is. A couple of fun ones coming. Yeah, Between now and the end of the year. Why don't you take us through the, the schedule? Yes, couple, uh, a couple of good ones to, to come out. Obviously, uh, you'll be listening to this with only three weeks left in the year, but we will... Be getting into the uh, the spirit of uh, the Australian summer. Uh, we're talking about cricket, uh, so we're going to be producing our first eleven uh, cricketers, um, so players from the PGA Tour and around the world uh, as cricketers, where we think they would best fit in. You've gone a little bit too far with it, taking <laughs> bloody picked a coach, assistant coach. You picked a touring squad. You told me so. You'll be leading Just the squad charge. Day. Yeah. Just want to make sure I got coverage. You're injuries. a goose. Picked a manager too, actually, team manager. You are an idiot. Uh, and then we'll be wrapping up uh, with probably some of our favourite moments from the year. Obviously, uh, a very interrupted year uh, before we take a couple of weeks off over Christmas. Uh, and then we'll be back in the new year with uh, some exciting things, um, particularly with Blitz Golf on the horizon. We'll have a, uh, a cool podcast coming with that. Uh, and then a few other little pieces as we get ready to go to Hawaii and hopefully see Cam Smith defend his title. Very exciting things to come, Drew. looking forward to guiding our listeners through to Christmas and the new year and then coming back bigger and better. I think the question everyone's lips is, will we hit the 100? Will we raise the bat prior to the end of 2020? Or, uh, as would be apt after this sort of year, will we be left hanging, heading oh. to the lunch interval and have to come back and face some nervous balls? I think that might be the case. Feed? Currently looking at our schedule, that might be the case. But we do want to flag our 100th episode. I think we need to flag that with our listeners right now. Yes. Um, Our 100th episode is going to be just open slather. Uh, We want you to – you can start sending them in now if you like questions. Um, And that's all we're going to do is just take questions for the full hour, however long we go for. Um, So start thinking about anything that you want to know about our podcast, our games, uh, the equipment we're using, the PGA Tour, who we like, who we don't like, favourite courses, anything that you want to know about. Life philosophies. Anything that you want to know. We'll we'll throw it at us and uh, and we will certainly uh, jot all of those down and um, and, and form them into uh, the Centurion podcast. Very good. Looking forward to that one. Yeah, same. Looking forward to that. I mean, obviously, we probably didn't think we maybe would have hit 100, to be fair, and I think it's more than apt that we hand over the reins to the people who've got us there and our incredible listeners and supporters to turn that into the podcast they want, ask the questions they want answered. So really looking forward to receiving your questions and 
working our way through what I imagine will be quite a humorous podcast, to be fair. I'd suggest so. I would mm. suggest so. All right, mate. Pleasure as always. Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll chat. Looking forward to naming our 11s. I'll see you at the toss. <laughs>